Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Grab your Bibles and meet me in Matthew chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 966 in that Bible. As we continue with the Christmas story, and we have been doing just a little mini-series we started last week, just for the month of December, that we're calling Christ in the Carols. And we're taking a different carol each week, uh, these great classic anthems of the church, and we're unpacking them a little bit, uh, looking at some of the scripture behind them, the theology behind them, as we learn... uh, a bit more about Jesus through them and what they have to teach us from God's word about who he is. And I love these great uh, anthems of the church and just these songs that have withstood the test of time. And last week we started off our series talking about Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, we walked through that one. And today we are going to do Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which we just sang, which is maybe not one of the more famous Christmas carols, but it's one of my favorites. And so for purely selfish reasons, we are doing it today because I like it a lot. And the, the scripture behind it really is amazing. Uh, And then we're going to talk about what it means for us as we walk after Jesus today. So we're in Christmas. It's just two weeks away, believe it or not. We are actually coming up upon it very quickly. And in the Christmas season, there is uh, an anticipation towards Christmas Day. And we sometimes talk in church about how we are uh, kind of re-anticipating the coming Messiah, even though he's already come uh, 2,000 years ago. But we are sort of entering into that hopeful season of waiting as we look forward to Christmas day as we remember what has happened and all the promises that God has fulfilled. And so we sort of enter into the season of waiting. And one of the things we're trying to teach our kids uh, who are really getting into Christmas more and more as they get older and who know the day very well and the presents and the food and all that kind of stuff. One of the things Sarah has been really talking to the kids a lot about this year has been that a lot of the fun of Christmas of the season is actually in the waiting. It's actually the anticipating. The day itself is great, but there's uh, uh, something fun in just the waiting and the music and the movies and, and just the season itself uh, as the decorations go up everywhere and there's, there's a lot of fun that happens actually in the anticipating, which, I mean, five-year-olds don't want to hear at all, but it's, it's true. It's a good lesson and we want them learning that uh, it's not just about the, the fruition of what you're waiting for, but to enjoy the buildup and to enjoy the waiting, to enjoy the, the preparation as we get ready for that. And this song that we're looking at today, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, is a song written in a spirit of waiting. Uh, And Charles Wesley, who wrote it, was sort of taking on the view of Israel. He was kind of writing it from Israel's perspective, who for thousands of years had been waiting for the Messiah to come. And the first line of the song is, Come thou long expected Jesus. Come Jesus, who we have been waiting for, for a very long time. And so we're going to talk today about the waiting and that season of waiting in our lives. And I wanted to show a clip to get going. And it needed to be Christmassy. That felt appropriate. And so I'm going to show you a clip from It's a Wonderful Life, which is an awesome movie if you haven't seen it classic with James Stewart and in this story if you don't know it George Bailey is the main character and George Bailey from childhood had great dreams of how his life was going to go and he was going to be an adventurer and he was going to become famous and he was going to explore the world and do all of these incredible things it was his lifelong dream and then just kind of one of those situations where just life kind of happened and and different circumstances different things changed along the way and so as much as he had these great dreams and plans to go off and do amazing things all over the world. Just 
thing after thing happened that meant he had to stay home, he had to take care of his family, he had to run the family business instead, and so he didn't get to do all these things that he wanted to do. And so in the scene I'm about to show you, it's kind of all of that, uh, the years of waiting, the years of frustration, the years of disappointment, the years of, of not doing what he thought was, he was going to be doing, it's all of those uh, years of waiting coming to a head in a frustrated moment. Let's take a look. All right. Well, there's a much happier ending to that movie than that scene led you to believe. That's kind of the bottoming out point. And, uh, and even if it didn't look like that, I imagine most of us in one way or another can relate at least to the frustration of we've been waiting for something to happen or we were hoping for something different or we thought things were going to go a different way and it didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. There was a great line in there, by the way, that I love. Sarah and I joke about it sometimes where if your spouse is doing something with the kids you don't like, you can say, must you torture the children? That's such a great line in there. <laughs> Let's talk about our text this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 2 and we're starting in verse 1. Last week we looked at the story of the shepherd and the angels. This week we're going to look at the magi, the wise men, and uh, it'll be a springboard for us as we look at some other scripture as well. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So Matthew's gospel, more than any other gospel, Matthew wants to make sure that we know that Jesus is the one that Israel has been waiting for. That there are prophecies for thousands of years about the Savior who was to come, the Messiah who was to come, and they're all throughout the Old Testament. And in Matthew's Gospel, he's constantly saying, here's something that happened, and it fulfills this scripture. Here's something else that Jesus did, and it fulfills this prophecy. Here's something else that he did, and that fulfills that prophecy. It's all through Matthew's Gospel. He's saying, here is Jesus, the long-expected one we were waiting for, and he Here's how he lines up with everything that the prophet said he would be. And so in the Old Testament, from the beginning, uh, God has been speaking to his people. And, and all the way back in Genesis, God starts to share this story of how someone is going to come to set right everything that sin and evil and death have set wrong. That a Savior is coming. And so from the beginning of the book, about page three in your Bible, it shows up for the first time that someone born of woman is going to come and is going to crush the head of the serpent, the devil. And all throughout, as God 
God speaks to Abraham and Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Elijah and all of these prophets, there are all of these hints, there are all these clues as to what this Messiah is going to be like. He's going to be born in, Jeth in Bethlehem. He's going to be a descendant of King David. He's going to heal and do miracles. All of these things are in there, and they are all pointing to this long-expected Savior that Israel is waiting for. And Matthew wants us to make clear, even in our passage today, that Jesus is fulfilling all of those promises, including the fact that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. That was in there. And so Matthew is making clear that we are just reminded over and over and over again that God is faithful to his word. God will do what he said he would do. And so Jesus comes in expectation of everything that Israel was waiting for. And they were waiting for uh, all of these things over time. You know, for thousands of years, these prophecies come to these prophets. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. And so when Charles Wesley wrote this hymn, he wrote it in 1744. And he wrote it kind of coming from that place of where Israel was at. Where for thousands of years, Israel was saying, we believe a Messiah is coming, where is he? We believe that this promise will be fulfilled, but where is it? Where is the answer to our prayers? Where is the one we've been waiting for? And as he was reading his Bible one day, Charles Wesley comes across this scripture from Haggai chapter 2 verse 7. Haggai is one of the minor prophets in the Bible. And God says, I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And that was understood as something that was pointing to the Messiah. And Jesus, one of the names that he's given that we've just sung, is desire of the nations. That, that all nations would look to him. There is one way to heaven. There is one salvation. There is one Lord. All nations will look to him. They will desire him to come and save them. And there was a shaking that was going to happen before the Messiah would actually come. And we'll come back to that in a second. But as, jo as Charles Wesley writes this song, uh, he's writing in that sense of hope and anticipation that Israel was in as they were waiting for their Messiah to come. He's helping us identify with that. And as as we lead up to Christmas in the Advent season, we too are looking with hope and anticipation to Christmas Day where we welcome the baby Jesus and everything that he represents. So we're just going to walk through some of the lyrics of the carol today. We're not going to go super in-depth to all of them, but we're going to hit some points as we go. So come thou long-expected Jesus, we start, born to set thy people free. They were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come, the Messiah that had been prophesied since the Garden of Eden, the one who was going to come and set everything right, the one who was going to come and save us from our sin and save us from our death and save us from our fear. They were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And there's this season that happens right before Jesus comes, uh, and it's called the intertestamental period. It's sometimes called the 400 years of silence. And what we have is an Old Testament and a New Testament in our Bible. And the Old Testament ends with Malachi. Malachi is the last prophet to come forward in the Old Testament. He too points ahead to this day when the Messiah would come, as all the prophets did. And then there's a, a gap between Malachi ending at the end of the Old Testament and Matthew who starts writing the beginning of the New Testament. And that gap is 400 years. And so where God has always been speaking and always been revealing, and it's one of the most amazing things about him, we have a God who wants to be known by us. 
He wants us to understand who he is. And so he speaks to prophets, and prophets write it down and record it as the scripture so that we can know him better, so that we can understand him. He is a self-revealing God. He wants to be known by his people. And God has been speaking to prophets and speaking to prophets and speaking to prophets, and then for 400 years, that speaking stops. 400 years, no one hears from God. Nothing is written down as a revelation from God. For 400 years, all of a sudden, there's just silence from heaven. And they have the scriptures that have already been written. They have the Old Testament. They're reading through it. Uh, the people of God are looking to the prophecies. They're looking to the promises. They're saying, okay, we believe this Messiah is coming, but why isn't he coming? We believe that God is going to fulfill this promise, but why aren't we hearing from him? We believe that he's going to do amazing things, but where is that happening? Where can I see that? Uh, evidenced in my life. And in those 400 years, Israel goes through a tremendous shaking as a nation. And the Greek empire rises up and oppresses Israel and takes over, and they collapse, and there's rebellions and wars, and then the Roman empire rises up, and they start to take over the civilized world, and they are oppressors of Israel. And so if you put yourself in their shoes, what that must have felt like where they say, God, we believe that a Messiah is coming. We believe in a Savior. We believe, we have hope that you are going to do what you promised. But where, where, where is this happening? Where is your faithfulness? Where is the promise? For 400 years, they don't hear anything from God. For 400 years, as a nation, they are shaken and shaken and shaken. And that's exactly what Haggai said in that verse we just looked at. God says, I will shake the nations, and then the desired of all nations will come. There will be a shaking, and then the Messiah will arrive. But if you can put yourself in their shoes for those 400 years, I mean, so that's a situation where if you are born at the near the end of those 400 years, there's generation after generation that has lived in this silence and just clinging to the hope of what the scripture says, clinging to the hope that God will be faithful. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 27, it's a paraphrase, says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That everything in life that can be shaken will be shaken. And God just said, I will shake the nations. And he shook Israel before the Messiah came. And there just seems to be a bit of a pattern there that sometimes right before God does something big in Israel or even in our own lives, there is a bit of a shaking season. And then the rest of the scripture is everything that can be shaken in your life will be shaken so that the bad stuff in our life will be shaken away and good and solid and godly stuff will remain that the trials will come and difficulties will come, the shaking will happen so that we can get the bad stuff just shaken out of there. And then what's left will be good and eternal and godly. And so there is a shaking that can happen in our own lives. And, and Israel goes through this shaking. And, and in the shaking and in the silence, there is a preparation that happens. And then finally, as the season comes to an end, the promise is fulfilled in Jesus. God didn't forget anything, and he wasn't light. He was perfectly on time for what he was working out. But as the shaking happens, then uh, the promise does get fulfilled in, in Jesus. And so, come thou long-expected Jesus, it is the, a lament, it is a cry uh, from the heart of Israel saying, where is our Messiah? We have been waiting for you for so long. So come, Lord Jesus, born to set your people free. And that's exactly what Jesus said he came to do. John 8, 36, if the Son sets 
sets you free, you will be free indeed. He comes to free us from our sin. He comes to free us from our death. He comes to free us from our fear. He comes to free us from our concern of not knowing what's going to happen or how hard this life can be because we can put our trust in him who knows all things, who sees all things, who has power and authority over all things, and he brings us to that freedom of, oh, I don't need to carry that myself. I don't need to bear that weight on my own. Next lines of the song, from our fears and sins, release us. We've just talked about that. Let us find our rest in thee. That's one of the great invitations of scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come. The door is open. Come. There's a gift here for you. Come and receive it. The door is open to everybody. Come to me if you are weary and burdened. Are those words that apply to you in any way ever in your life whatsoever? If you are weary, if you are burdened, there is rest available in Jesus. There is rest for your soul. And it doesn't necessarily mean that every problem goes away or every circumstance changes, but the peace of God that comes is such that even in the trials, we can have rest for our souls. Even in the trials, there is peace available to us as we carry things that we're not supposed to carry as we give those things to him and as we find our rest with him. But if we want the rest that comes from Jesus, we have to figure out how to connect with the guy who's going to give us the rest. We have to figure out what it looks like in our lives. Where do you connect and commune with God the most? And we've talked a little bit about that here at this church of we all actually connect with God in different ways. We feel close to God in different ways. For some people, it's through worship. For some people, it's through scripture, through study. For some people, it's through other people and spending time with others talking about the things of God. For some people, it's the opposite. I need to be by myself entirely. And that's where I feel close to him. For some people, it's being out in nature. For some people, it's serving other people. For some people, it's, it's fighting for a cause and fighting for justice. For some people, it might be spending time with kids in kids' ministry or, or, or our students in our high school ministry. There's a million different ways it can look. But the question is, where do you feel closest to God? Where do you feel your soul refreshed? And wherever that is, unapologetically move into that in your life. Carve out time for that in your life. Because if we want to feel the rest of Jesus, we're going to have to figure out how in our lives do we connect with Jesus so that we can have our souls refreshed. So there is rest and peace available for us. We need to connect with him in order for that to happen. Israel's strength and consolation. Consolation means comfort. Hope of all the earth thou art. There is no ambiguity front to back in this Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that God is the God of Israel. That they are his chosen people. The Jewish people are dear and precious to his heart. And God loves all people, but the Bible says that for those of us who aren't Jewish, we have been adopted in to the family of God. The Jewish people are his firstborn natural children. We have been invited to come in to the table. He has adopted us into his family. So he loves us as any father would love an adopted child, but Israel is the apple of his eye, Scripture says, that there is a special place in his heart. They are his chosen people. And all throughout the Bible, there is this confirmed over and over and over again, and God is just consistently uh, caring for Israel, leading Israel, fighting for Israel, frustrated with Israel sometimes as they fall away from him, but they are the people of God. He is the God of Israel. Isaiah 40 verse 1 says, God says, comfort Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And, and as God leads, he just has such care, such compassion, such love, such mercy. And he uses images like the Lord 
is a shepherd watching over his people Israel. The Lord is a husband taking care lovingly of his bride, Israel. And these pictures of love and care and compassion. And so a lot of the carols, you'll notice, will make mention of this. That Jesus, although he comes to save all people, he is a Jewish Messiah. He is born into the Jewish line. He is one of the chosen people of God who has come to deliver Israel and the world. But we don't lose Israel, even as he comes to save the whole world. But of course, that's not the end of it. God doesn't come just to save one people or one nation. He comes for everybody. Matthew 12, 21, Matthew's quoting Isaiah, says, In his name the nations will put their hope. Hope of all the earth thou art, we sang, that all nations will look to him. There is one way to heaven. There is one way to God, and that is through Jesus. And it's an amazing thing about the gospel is that as it spreads into all the different nations and cultures of the world is that the message is the same, but these nations grab on to the gospel. Uh, in a way that they don't in the same way with Islam or with Buddha. But just that there are uh, just a, a cross-cultural thing that happens in every language and with different worship styles and with different ways of doing church. But the nations see Jesus and grab onto him in hope and worship him as their own unique culture, but worshiping the same Jesus from the same gospel message. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. So again, all nations will look. Desire of nations from Haggai 2.7, we've looked at already. One of the names Jesus gets given. Joy of every longing heart. St. Augustine was a theologian in the 400s, and he famously said this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I imagine if we were to share testimonies of how did you come to Jesus, there might be something of this at play for many of us, that we had wandering years, or we had sinful years, or we had years that we didn't know any better, and then there was this, this moment where we say yes to Jesus, and then there's peace all of a sudden for the first time. Pascal says every human is born with a God-shaped hole in their heart. And only God can fill it. And we try to fill it with lots of other things, with, with money, with pleasures, with relationships, with, with work, with busyness or whatever. But there's nothing that can fully fill it except for Jesus because he has created us to be in that relationship with him. And there is part of us that is missing until we find him, until we are able to, to put our hope in him and, and find that peace in him. And so the, the heart of the gospel is the door is open for anybody. Anybody can come back. We acknowledge Jesus as Lord. We ask for the forgiveness of sins. We ask his peace to fill our heart, and we follow after him. And in that, we are saved. And that is available to anybody in this room. That is available to all of us. Many of us in this room have made that decision already. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. That there's a theme throughout the whole Bible, and that word deliverer shows up over and over and over again. That Jesus comes as a deliverer. Uh, and God has always been a deliverer to Israel. Psalm 18.2, Old Testament, says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That's a good scripture to read when you're having a bad day. That's just one of those awesome, encouraging scriptures that are all throughout the Bible. That the Lord is a deliverer, and as we believe Jesus is the Lord come down, Jesus too is a deliverer. And as he is born in the normal way as a baby, we also know this is not any ordinary baby. From our text today, Matthew 2, verse 2, as the wise men come, they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. There's a couple of things here that are profound. And the first is, nobody is born king of anything. 
That's just not how that works. We have a queen right now uh, as the head of Canada. Technically, our head of state is the queen, and the queen has a son named Charles, and Charles has a son named William, and William has a super cute little guy named George uh, in the knee-high socks standing on the books there. And this is what the line of succession looks like in the royal family. We have Queen Elizabeth, who is the queen. She is sovereign right now. And when she passes away, Charles will become the king. When Charles passes away, William will become the king. When William passes away, George will become the king. But none of those men are king right now. None of them are born king. They will be king one day, but they are princes now because we have a queen. And so when they come and they say, hey, there's a baby that's been born king of the Jews, that's a big deal, what they're saying, because that's not how that happens normally. There have been cases in history where, you know, a king and a queen will be pregnant, and the king will pass away, and the, the baby boy will be born, and he's born to be the king, but you can't be king when you're a baby, and so someone else will rule until the king grows up enough that he can take over the duties. So no baby is a king, but Jesus is not an ordinary baby. They're acknowledging he is king now. His kingship has started now. And not only that, we have come to worship this king. And that's not normal either, right? You might bow to the queen in your presence. That's respectful, and, and that's what we do when we're in the presence of royalty. But you wouldn't bow down and worship her as the queen of England. That would not be appropriate. But in this baby who was born in Bethlehem, the wise men show up and say, he has been born king, and we are here to worship him right now. They are acknowledging that there is something different about this baby who has been born. He's not like any other baby on earth. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. As he comes as a king, as he comes as Lord, he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of, of reigning in our lives. We are following after his ways. And now thy gracious kingdom bring. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray when his disciples came and said, what should we be praying for? Jesus said, well, one of the things you should pray for is, Father, let thy kingdom come. Let your kingdom come on earth. Let the kingdom of heaven come down to earth. Let earth look more and more like heaven. And where God's power is perfect in heaven, where his will is perfectly done in heaven, where everything is, is the way he wants it perfectly in heaven, where there's no sin and no evil and no sickness and no corruption and nothing against us, let that kingdom of heaven come down to earth. And when Jesus is born, that's obviously the beginning of this happening. Heaven has come down in Jesus and has set up a new kingdom here on earth. And the Bible says this kingdom will more and more take over the world as we get closer and closer to the end. So Jesus says, pray, pray, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let the earth look more and more the way you want it to look. So we pray that way. But we don't just pray that way. Because we're also called to live out the ways of the kingdom here on earth. That when Jesus came and walked among us, he taught us the ways of the kingdom. He taught us the way God wanted us to live. He taught us the heart of God and the mind of God, the will of God. He taught us the way we should speak and the way we should run our finances and the way we should love others and the way we should serve others, the way we should forgive others and the way we should choose the path of peace and the path of sacrifice and the path of putting others above ourselves. And as we do all of these things, the kingdom of heaven starts to take over the earth through us as we live these out in our workplaces in our schools in our families the kingdom of heaven begins to take over the earth through us 
And Jesus said that it would be like sprinkling yeast into bread that you are making. As you're kneading the dough and you sprinkle the yeast there, that you will work it, work it, and knead it. And as you do that, the yeast will move all the way through the dough. It'll spread evenly throughout all the dough. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom is like. As you pray for it to come, as you live it out, as you follow in the way of Jesus, the kingdom of God will influence this world through you. And more and more, it will start to take over your workplace, your family, your school, wherever you are at, because the kingdom of God is in you. So we don't just pray for it. We seek to live out the ways of the kingdom. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. That uh, We talked about this earlier in the year. We did a series on the Holy Spirit, that we believe in Father, Son, and Spirit. And as Father, Son, and Spirit are uh, distinct from each other, but one at the same time, and it's, it is by nature mysterious, and we believe it by faith, that Father, Son, and Spirit are, are individual and yet united with one heart, one mind, and one will. And Jesus said, I am going to return and go back to heaven at some point. I just Jesus, the man, was not going to be here forever. But Jesus said, I am going to send the Holy Spirit when I go, and he's going to continue the ministry that I've begun. And he will be your teacher. He will be your leader. He will be your guide. He will take you where you need to go. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, the Lord is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one and the same. And so although Jesus has gone, his Spirit is here and lives in those of us who believe. And as we live out this life, we need his help to lead us and guide us, to show us where to go. The Bible says, now that you have the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Get to understand the Spirit. Get to know him better. And in that series this year, we made that our common prayer. Just Holy Spirit, help us know you better. Help us understand you better. Help us follow you better. And as we do that, Holy Spirit, change us, renew us, restore us, make us new from the inside out. Last couple of lines, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. This is my favorite part, because almost every uh, religion and philosophy and understanding of the world is, uh, you earn your way into whatever. You earn your way into God's favor. You earn your way into heaven. You earn your way into his good graces. And that's the exact opposite of what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches you can't earn your way into this because God is perfect and we are sinful. And sin cannot be in the presence of a perfect God. It just can't. And so we are at odds with him in that way. And we can't do anything to undo it. Even if I do good, there's still so much sin in me that I, I can't deal with. And so I can't earn my way there. There is no merit that I have. There is no goodness that I have that can overcome the fact that I am a sinner who has rejected God. That's the bad news. The good news is God knows this and loves us so much that he said, well, where you can't save yourself, I will save you. Where you can't earn it on your own, you don't have to because Jesus will earn it for you. By thine all-sufficient merit, by your all-sufficient goodness, your all-sufficient grace, your all-sufficient mercy, that, that in that grace and goodness and mercy, it's all-sufficient, it's everything I need to be in right standing with God. And that even though I'm continually in this life uh, working through my sin and seeking purity and becoming better, in God's eyes, his all-sufficient merit has covered me. I don't earn it by myself. He has given it to me. It's the gift of God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians 3. He talks about living this life with Jesus. He said in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own, 
that comes from the law, that comes from obeying God's commandments. My righteousness is not based on that, but a righteousness which is through faith in Christ, through trusting him, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, on the basis of that trust, the righteousness that comes from him as a gift to us. His all-sufficient merit comes upon us, and we are made right with God through that. So we don't have to earn a thing. We don't have to strive for anything. I am made right with God by an act of God. I don't save myself. He has saved me. And in that baby, that is everything that we celebrate, that this, this stage of God's plan where the salvation is coming has arrived for us. And so Israel was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this to come. And, and they were waiting and hoping and, and clinging to the promises and clinging to the word and, and we are waiting, and we're not just waiting in the sense that Israel did, because Jesus has already come in our, in our season that we are in, obviously. Jesus has already been born. But we don't just believe that Jesus uh, was coming the first time. We don't just believe that we anticipate Jesus coming in the manger, and that's what we sing about at Christmas time, because we believe Jesus is coming again that Jesus is returning, and he has made clear uh, everywhere in the Gospels, all through the New Testament, that Jesus is returning for good, and there will be an end to evil completely and forever, and death will be swallowed up forever, and Satan will be removed forever. And so everything that we sing in that song about the first coming at Christmas time, we can also sing about the second coming. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Come and set everything right. Come and fulfill the promise that you will come back and death will be swallowed up in victory. Come and fulfill the promise that Satan will be destroyed for good. Come and fulfill what you said you would fulfill. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, come. And that has been the testimony of the church. The Greek word is Maranatha, which means come. And that was a, a song of praise, a word of praise. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And we're walking through Revelation as a, a podcast right now, our daily devotional podcast. We're going through the book of Revelation verse by verse. And this theme is there over and over and over again. The book of Revelation, they're not dreading the end of days. They are excited for it because Jesus is coming to fully complete and restore everything that begun at the cross and the resurrection. Jesus is coming to make it right. And so our prayer is, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Just as Israel prayed, come, thou long-expected Jesus. And then just in our own lives, whatever you are waiting for, whatever you are hoping for, whatever you are praying for, we, we pray that same prayer, come, Lord into my marriage. Come, Lord, into my health issue. Come, Lord, into my finances. Come, Lord, into this family drama. Come, Lord, into my hopelessness. Come, Lord, into my frustration. Come, thou long expected Jesus. And as we wait, we pray that same prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. It's been said that God's people are awaiting people. They waited for Jesus to come the first time. And we are waiting for Jesus to come the second time. And we are waiting for Jesus to move in our lives and be faithful to what we are praying for. And the amazing thing about the Christmas story is as we look at Jesus and as we look at what has been said about him and how he fulfilled everything that they were waiting for, it's this incredible, beautiful reminder that God is never late and God always keeps his promises. That in Jesus, every promise that God had made was fulfilled. God is never late. He always keeps his promises. Galatians 4.4 says this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. The fullness of time had come at the perfect moment. Not too early, not too late. The fullness of time. And isn't that an awesome picture of pregnancy for Mary? 
as she's waiting for the baby to come, right? When the fullness of time had come, when the, the pregnant moment was perfect, God sent his son. And there was shaking, and there was silence, and there was waiting, and there was hopelessness maybe, but when the fullness of time had come, God did what he said he would do. And the fullness of time that we see in pregnancy is such a good picture of this, because in pregnancy as well, I'm not an expert being a man, but I, was, I watched a couple of pregnancies in my house. I was a spectator, and <laughs> my job was to bring food and other such things. Sarah's job was to create a baby in her stomach and birth it. Um, equally hard jobs, I think. <laughs> when the fullness of time had come, as you are pregnant, there is an anticipation, right? There is a waiting. There is a, a, a day you are looking forward to. And along the way, there is shaking. There are trials. There are pains. And, and those things even get worse as we get closer and closer. And yet, even in the, the turmoil and the blood and the shaking that happens in a woman's body, all of that gets swallowed up when the baby is born. Right? Because now there's life. There's, there's hope. There's a promise. We waited for this. We prayed for this. This has finally arrived for us. We looked to the Lord to answer our prayers, and he did. The fullness of time. And so as we wait for Jesus to return, just as Israel waited for their Messiah to come the first time, as we wait for God to answer whatever you are praying to him for, whatever you are looking to him for, whatever promise you are holding to in God's word, we look at the Christmas story and we say, when the fullness of time happened, God did exactly what he said he would do. And we have no reason to think that he has changed in any way whatsoever. He is still just as faithful as he was to Israel. And when the fullness of time has come, we will see the answer of God. We will see the promise fulfilled. We will see Jesus return because God is never, ever late. And he always keeps his promises. And so we have sang this song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. We have entered into the song, uh, The Lament of Israel, as they waited for their Messiah. And we're going to sing that again before we go. And we're going to remember Israel and what they waited for as they looked to Jesus to do everything that God said he would do. But we're also going to sing it as we wait for Jesus to come again. We are going to sing Maranatha, Come Lord Jesus, as we look for him to come in our time and in our season. And we're also going to sing the song just over our own circumstances, whatever we are struggling with in our marriages or our money or our, our families or whatever that we're going to sing come thou long expected Jesus come and answer our prayers come and be faithful to us as we do that so would you stand with me please as we get ready to close as we sing this song again together we're going to close off in prayer here, and as we do, we're going to open up the altars for prayer for anyone who wants prayer for anything. We have people that have been trained and released by us to pray with you, and uh, especially in light of the message today. Maybe there's just something in your heart or something that God showed where uh, we just need to pray into that as we wait for whatever it is we're waiting for. And everything's confidential up here, and it's a safe place. And we'll ask if you're going to visit, just if you wouldn't mind leaving the room to do that, just so we can have it quiet in here as we turn this into a place of prayer. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, we join in with the, the long-past cry of Israel and, and our current cry today of Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come, 
to this earth again, Lord, and set right everything permanently that has been set wrong and that you are in the process of redeeming. And we pray, Lord, speed the day where you return and establish your kingdom fully on earth where there will be new heavens and new earth, where death will be swallowed up completely in victory for good, where the enemy will be cast into the lake of fire. Lord, come and set things right. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. And in the meantime, Lord, as we push through and as we wrestle through this world, give us the strength and perseverance, Lord, that we would not grow weary, that we would not shrink back, that we would not fall into hopelessness or despair, but that we would be faithful to what you have called us to do while we wait. And that as we wait and as we look to you, we just look at every life and every family and every situation represented here, and we say, come, Lord Jesus, into these things. Come, Lord Jesus, with your power. Come, Lord Jesus, with your mercy. Come, Lord Jesus, with your healing and with your forgiveness and with your restoration and your redemption and your grace. Come, Lord Jesus, into these areas and show us your faithfulness, Lord God, as we trust that you are a faithful God who always keeps his promises you are never too early or too late. And so we trust you, Lord, for the fullness of time. Give us the strength to keep trusting as we wait upon you. And in this Christmas season, Lord, as we look to your first coming, as we celebrate that, I just pray, Lord, that you will fill us with hope by your Holy Spirit, that you will renew our faith and our trust in you as we worship the God who has made all things new and who is working all things out and who has been promising for thousands of years to be faithful to what he said said we would, he would do. We look to you, God, for our salvation and our deliverance, and we do it with thanksgiving and worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on forward for prayer.